Cawthorn took it right up to the top of the table side, Port Adelaide on their home turf, but couldn't quite get the job done. We're back to recap what worked, what didn't work, and what on earth you have to do to win a free kick. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and joining me is my co-host, a man who was salty for a long time after the final siren. G'day, Tiz. Mate, I'm still salty. Uh, the only thing that I could not believe after that game was we still climbed a position on the ladder. <laughs> oh, come on! Uh, gosh, that was frustrating. Well, what were Port Adelaide about? They weren't good all day, and then suddenly, you know, there's some shepherding in the ruck, butters kicks some miraculous goal, and we're all meant to be, oh, yeah, they're definite contenders again. That's what the crowd thought. That's the crowd were up and about with about 30 seconds to go. The Port Adelaide, or the power chant, I should say, went up like they'd been just world beaters all day. Oh, it's a little bit hilarious, wasn't it? They're, on that form, they're nowhere, they're nowhere near it. I was so wrapped with our effort. Our boys played out of their skin. Some of those kids haven't had a look for ages. Um, you know, they're not really kids anymore. They've been around the club a few years. I'm talking about Cuz. He he played really well. He just knows where to be to get the ball, doesn't he? Cuz was good. Then he had guys like Hartley, I thought was fantastic, on, on his debut for the club. Where's he been? What did he do wrong to be overlooked so long? I mean, Hartley looked terrific. And those kick-ins, my goodness. We'll highlight some of our best players in just a moment, but I thought it might be worthwhile just addressing the elephant in the room first. We'll get it out of the way nice and early. I want to talk about the umpiring, Tiz. Yeah, well, I suppose it has to be spoken about. I mean, uh, Clarko didn't want to discuss it, really. Uh, Kennett was uncharacteristically demure online, <laughs> just bit his tongue. Well, he didn't need to say anything, mate. He, he didn't need to be drawn on any comments because the stats speak for themselves. But it's just so wildly bias. I mean, it's like they were blinkered to any... I mean, um, GF got hit in the head at least three times in the final five minutes and nothing. Now, look, I'll cop giving away 14 free kicks. I think that's realistic. That is feasible. You can do that in a game of footy. You can give away that many. To not get one yourself in an entire half of footy, albeit shortened quarters, to not get one free kick the other way is just remarkable, right? And the examples that you just pointed out, CJ alone was a worthy recipient of a free kick, but wasn't to be. So the totals were Port Adelaide had 20 free kicks to our eight. They had five in defence, eight in midfield, and seven in the forward 50. Jeez, that's not bad. Right. Hawthorne had none in defence, five in midfield, and three in the forward 50. <laughs> It, it it's un, you know it, it has to be look i i also like horse racing right if there's something this statistically out of the box in one horse's performance in a race the stewards will have an inquiry hmm. this is a moment like that because <laughs> this does nothing for the game it only raises questions about the uh What's the word? Legitimacy and adjudication of it. That's exactly right. Legitimacy <laughs> of the result. We've been up against it with the umpires all season. Like, Have we won a free kick count? I mean, what are we now? We're hitting into round 14, and not only have we not won a free kick count, we're usually way off the pace. But that's par for the course at Hawthorne. I can't remember the last time we had a, a season 
Where we won free kicks. Well, you know, if you actually look back further throughout the history, the recent history, including our three-peat era, that's true. We're, we're nowhere near it. So, look, and then you have something like, who is it, Pal Pepper, who gets cited for a tackle on McAvoy or some charge against McAvoy. Yeah, so it's a, it's a sling tackle on McAvoy. He obviously hit the back of his head, so he's been cited, and they've recommended a week's ban. Now, they'll probably appeal that, but during the match... It was play on. <laughs> Not worth a thing. <laughs> How does that happen? And then Charlie Dixon's cited twice, each time a fine. It, it, it's just ridiculous. Mate, it's the kind of stuff that will turn you off the game. All right? If you can't have a, a bloke in charge of the game that is actually in control and isn't biased, you're not going to keep watching. Especially if your team isn't doing well. I reckon I had a record number of um, what I would like to call phone flip moments. Now, I have a TV in my bedroom, so I was just sitting on my bed watching it, and uh, it, it makes me feel at ease to basically do whatever with phone in hand. <laughs> like, I know it's going to be fine if I just sort of just chuck it in the air. That happened, I reckon, on about seven to eight occasions, where I was so exasperated that the phone went up, did a few somersaults, and landed safely back on the bed, only for me to collect it again, and then repeat. And... and you made mention of it before, Clarko being basically silent in the presser. I made the comment a long time ago that what's the worst that could happen at this point to Hawthorne? You know, it's like that bit in Life of Brian where the guy's going to be stoned because he said Jehovah. <laughs> and John Cleese's character leading it is like, you're only making it worse for yourself. And the prisoner's like, how could it be worse? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. So you th- you see the umpires as acting out against Clarko because he's called him out on the disposal rule, the holding the ball, all that kind of stuff. You think they've got a, what was the word Al used? A, a, a fatwa against him? <laughs> yeah, one of our listeners, Al, uh, really cracked us up with that tweet. It was fantastic. It feels so accurate. That's that's the problem. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, on the one hand, it's a conspiracy theory I don't really want to entertain. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, the numbers tell the story. Like, we just cannot get ahead in the free kick count. It's it's actually incredible. And, you know, Clarko's not going to hold him accountable anymore. And Kennett's not, apparently. So it falls to us. Someone's got to hold him accountable. Holding! Port Adelaide! Get out of here, Jacob Mollison. Get out. Get off the call. <laughs> <laughs> anyway I'm sure Hawthorne must be making uh, Remonstrations in private About this we've, we've known Sydney's done that in the past Hawthorne have What do they seek? They seek clarity When Buddy wasn't getting any free kicks While he was at Hawthorne uh, Apparently that all changed when he got to Sydney he Looked after far better when he got there And that's that's the kind of thing I'm talking about These kind of anomalies They One player leaves uh, Remember how many it was quite strange. Wingard used to get free kicks. And then after a few rounds, you know, it just sort of dwindled off for him. He got one in this game. Beauty, right in front of goal. I was like, terrific. And then all the Port Adelaide, ex-Port Adelaide players, kicked a goal for us. That was wonderful. Brought the crowd right into it. I enjoyed that. Let's talk about some other things that um, actually went right. I mean, we had some good ball winners on the day. Tom Mitchell, 25 touches at 76%, disposal efficiency. 12 of those contested, a team-high 11 tackles, if you don't mind. Yeah, very impressive from Tom. Um, There was criticism in the last couple of weeks that he hasn't been doing a lot with it when he gets it. But this game, it looked like with the absence of uh, Jager O'Meara that um, 
James Warple had a bigger influence, as as did Tom Mitchell. And uh, I was very impressed with how Cousins just sort of mixed in beautifully. Well, let's take a look at Cousins' stats here. 17 disposals at 82.4% efficiency, a team-high 8 inside 50s, which uh, actually doubled the output of our next best contributor for that stat, which was Tom Mitchell. So that's pretty good. Talk about grabbing your chances. Uh, This is the first time we've seen James Cousins for a long time. And uh, you can't do any better than that. No, it's exactly what we wanted out of him, and he definitely stays in the side. Uh, Just rewinding back to James Warple, 26 touches, a scrappy 50% disposal efficiency, and uh, I don't know, Tiz, I'd have to watch back the tape, even though I don't want to. It might have been his direct opponent that sealed the game. Yeah, it is. Um, So Butters Butters, uh, had some very good moments. But in terms of, uh, and, and set up a few goals for them, I think he had a smother as well. You know, good player. But Warple got more of the ball. Now, if Warple can raise that 50%, mm. you know, if he gets his disposal efficiency up, that's great. But, um, yeah, it was it was Warple's man with Butter's goal. So, um, mind you, he didn't seem to be defending uh, the goal side of that contest. No, I think that also played a part in that finish there. Uh, it's not just Warple's problem, it's the team's problem they're set up. Staying in the centre now, I want to highlight Ben McAvoy, who had 11 touches at 90.9% disposal efficiency, finished with 33 hitouts in total, and 17 of those hitouts to advantage, which is the most of any player in a match this season. Remarkable stat, that one. Yeah, it was uh, nicely plucked from the uh, Hawthorne FC social team. Uh, how did you think he went up against Lysett then? How do you rate the game? Well, put it this way. I didn't not notice Lysette. <laughs> I thought Lysette looked dangerous at a lot of points in the game. So for as well as McAvoy did, I think Lysette also contributed strongly for his side. It's interesting. They both never seem to be near one another, apart from the ruck contests. Um, but I, you know, coming into this game, we had big concerns about just how big the margin might turn out to be after they had to respond after their defeat to Geelong. And I thought our matchups worked well. I thought Charlie Dixon did almost nothing apart from a free kick that was dubious. Um, I thought Frost did very well on him. Before we get to the defenders, we've got a question here from Peter. At Hawk Talk Pod, is the experiment with Big Boy in the back line over? I think he's one of the best natural ruckmen in the comp with plenty of tank. Can we have Big Boy and Seggs in the same lineup with Big Boy resting in the forward line when Seggs is on the ball? Yeah, it's a it's a problem. So Segler they have for the ruck work. They reckon he's a better r- ruckman. But if if Big Boy McAvoy can put up these uh, hitouts to advantage numbers then we're not going to really worry about that. Unfortunately, McAvoy is sort of getting to the twilight of his career and we just signed Segler for three years. So we've telegraphed what the future plan is there. We know what we want to do with Segler, but just the issue is McAvoy is just better. He just is. He gives us a lot more when he's in the middle. And I do think the experiment's over. I think that's been, you know, shuffled into the dustpan. Do you? I I, I don't know about that because Segler's injured. Look, it might return, but... I'll give you my argument as to why it shouldn't. Um, As long as we're sometimes relegated to playing slow and going up the line, you need McAvoy to be up there. And I just fear that playing him in in defence to take that contested mark, to intercept, 
It's almost like McAvoy needs to deliver to McAvoy. Well, he's saying, Peter's saying, that uh, Big Boy should be up forward as a better target than, say, O'Brien, who didn't seem to have much impact, especially when Patton would take the mark on the wing and we needed another forward target for the next kick. Playing McAvoy forward is tried and true. We used to do that. I don't know. At at some point, uh, Clarko and and the coaches, they came up with this fantastical idea to just go topsy-turvy with it. And it doesn't have no merit. It has worked. But, uh, gee, McAvoy as a forward works pretty damn well. Yeah, it does. I I don't mind it, actually. Um, Very predictable, though, if you got the ruck. But then if he brings it to ground, it's fine. I didn't think I enjoyed having Patton so high up the ground, turning and all that kind of stuff. I'm still a little bit worried for his fitness. I think he played okay, but that's not where I would play him. I'm with you on that well, one. Well, no, I thought he, I thought that was an excellent game for him. That's probably the best I've seen him, apart from pre-season. He played really well. I, I thought he was enjoying himself out there, and his movement was good. He still turns very slowly. He's never going to be quick at the turn, but some of his marks were good. His presenting for our uh, backman coming out of the back line looking for, you know, hoping to find something to kick to. I thought he was great at that. The promising thing is I think he was a good contributor in this match, but uh, the ceiling has not been hit with Patton yet. And nor it wasn't ever going to be in his first game back, but that's not how I would use him. And so I think the best is yet to come. Uh, We're going to talk about the defenders now. There's a lot to say here. Jack Scrimshaw starred with 18 touches, four marks and eight intercepts. Tiz, how did you see his game? Mm Sicily-like. I thought he was very good at that. Yeah, It was appropriate. He stepped up. Yeah, and uh, give him a lot of confidence, I think. At the end, he took a a kick inside, uh, you know, trying to break up the play, giving us a scoring opportunity that didn't come off. And uh, it looked bad, but that is the brave kick that you need at that point. And the milestone man, Ben Stratton, in his 200th game, came in for a bit of uh, physical attention from the opposition. 11 touches, 4 marks. Uh, this is one of his better games for some time, I thought, Stratton. Yeah, he um, he guarded space, took a couple of intercept marks. I thought he... maybe it woke him up. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, they brought some aggression, because uh, Shields... Took it up to Rockcliffe, and then we had uh, Malay, which there's been a number of fines for now. And um, Rockcliffe, of course, was the other 200 gamer. So there was some feeling. Um, Hartlett's been fined for his contact on Liam Shields while he was trying to pick the ball up. Um, I think that's appropriate. Uh, It was a pretty bad look. He didn't try to pull out or or break the uh, impact at all. So, um, But I love the... uh, the aggression the boys played with, and one bloke that stood out in the way that he attacked the footy was CJ. Absolutely. There was no doubt that the ball was his target the whole day. And there was times when I was like, oh, you know, don't go where angels fear to tread, but my <laughs> goodness, that's what he did. And um, invariably, he'd keep the ball going in his direction, which is Exactly what you want from him. Just keep it in front of you. It's his addition alone. Um, It it gives us a spark in our defense that we just sort of haven't really seen that particular quality for a long time. 
And it's exciting, isn't it? It's good to see his attack on the footy, his desperation and hunger. It's just so exciting and entertaining to watch. He ran at 100% disposal efficiency. He only had nine touches, but he made the most of them. Laid four tackles. Thought he, he got caught a couple of times trying to do too much with the footy. Oh, trying to get around Robbie Gray. I mean, come on, man. Know your limits, I would say to that one. Was that the one with glass? Yes, yeah. I think Glass failed him there. There was a miscommunication there. But uh, Glass, I was surprised. He had a fairly strong game, certainly a stronger first half than second half. Um, he found some space. But the plan seemed to be working quite well. We could get over the back of their defence. We were running on into space and a couple of nice moves that ended with a, a chip right into the centre and just a hawk there waiting to take the mark, having outworked their opponent to get there. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really good signs in attack this week, which we haven't been able to say for quite a while. Uh, what about Michael Hartley, though? On debut for the club, 14 touches at 92.9% efficiency. The most metres gained for the team with 465. Chiefly due to those kick-ins. I mean... What is he? Ha- is that a cannon? That's a ridiculous <laughs> foot he's got. He finished with nine rebound 50s, well clear of anyone else on our side, and that would be partially due to the kick-ins. Now, it was interesting, like, him and Sam Frost combined. I, I like that as a dynamic duo. It worked well. You had Sam Frost purely playing a negating role and hardly attacking. He was good for the rebounds. And I think they worked it out between them pretty well. We heard from Beardstrong at Hawk Talk Pod. How has Hartley not been in the team sooner? The very thing you asked, Tiz. Yeah, it's a very, very good question. He's obviously an AFL player, as far as I'm concerned. No question there. And uh, he'll he'll be in plans going forward for us. And uh, I liked it. Frost and Hartley there. Um, Stratton. Just, uh, well, he... He had an interesting role. It's not generally the lockdown role he had this week, but he was sort of sort of the third man up on occasion. So uh, just backing himself this week, which was good, because that's what we need, an experienced head backing themselves to uh, break the contest in our favour. View from the nosebleeds at Hawk Talk Pod. Have we seen the future key defensive posts in Frost and Hartley? Well, I think we have. I think we don't have much of a choice, but if that game, that first test of, the, of that duo is anything to go by, then... Um, I think they are the future. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yep. I'd be happy with that. We heard from Wiley too off that. It was only one game, but Frost and Hartley showed they could potentially hold down the key defensive posts. Their success could affect decisions on Stratton and Frawley. How many performances like that do they need to make this a certainty? Well, Tiz, both have to play the rest of the season. And I, I mean, Frost is best 22 for us at the moment, but in terms of Hartley, he wouldn't go out of the side. No, well, they'll always look for the backup, won't they, to keep on the list. So um, without an untried Cozzy, um, you'd expect that Frawley would remain on the list. I Certainly, I expect that. Yeah, it may be the case. You don't think Cozzy will get a run before the end of the season? I don't, for what it's worth. Well, I mean, he hasn't even been listed as emergency. The one that really worries me is uh, we haven't seen more... Um, and Daniel Howe, who came in this week, we hadn't seen him for a long time. We forget to mention him. He didn't have a lot of touches, but uh, he gave us some grunt in that midfield. We heard from Peter on that one, actually, at Hawk Talk Pod. How much have we missed Dan Howe? I think he really straightens us up, allows Scrimshaw to move up and down from half back to half forward, and how he can move from half back to the centre where he can do a lot of damage. Howe's 191 centimetres, so he's a pretty solid unit. He's also good in a lockdown situation. Yeah, uh, it was uh, another rotation we needed through that midfield. 
Um, I noticed Bruce went through as well, which is good to see. Um, perhaps that'll be something Clarko wants him to add to his game. Uh, he's done it before, but um, I remember Poppy used to spend some time in the midfield just giving a chop out. Um, I think if Bruce adds that to his... Because Bruce can fade out of a game. He can be locked down. But if you get him onto the ball, then you know he can break that, that lockdown defender. It could be really good for his progress. But, um, yeah, Daniel Howe, uh, when he's playing well, Hawthorne look much, much better. Uh, as a defensive midfielder, he, um, I think it's you don't need to worry so much about what your opponent's doing with Dan Howe around. He's just a big, bulky fella who can influence, like Shields used to be able to, whenever he was in attendance, it was far less likely that the team would run away straight through the contest. And I think Howe is of a similar type. Yeah. It's a it's a real work in progress. It's so there's so many moving pieces with six changes to try and work out exactly what was working and for how long and whether it was for the whole game. Because Hinkley was trying everything to uh inspire his team. And uh, eventually they got over the line. But uh it, Clarko did remarkably well to get that team gelling into a a unit that could challenge one of the top-scoring sides. Only a 10-point margin at the end of the day against a side that's meant to be playing, you know, they're meant to be contenders, and they scored, what, barely 10 goals. So I, I think we did remarkably well. Um, and if I had my way, it'd be maybe not six changes every week, Tiz. There might be a few too many, but uh, we need to keep this revolving door going um, just to work out what mixes best and... Who can carry us into 2021 and uh, and beyond? Now, we must say that apart from losing the free kicks, we lost almost every other stat. Yes. And yet the form or the, the structure of the team held up with losing disposals. Um, did we win clearances? What was the thing we won? No, we didn't win clearances. Uh, we won the turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> Port Adelaide had one more than us. And the intercept marks. We had more intercept marks as well. So... You know, we weren't even more efficient. So just an incremental improvement each week. Um, and I understand Port weren't at their best. But, I mean, Essendon would see that and think that was a pretty good effort and they'd have to bring their best on Thursday night. And then we've got Adelaide the following Tuesday. It's not an easy run, but, you know, um, I know you're not really hoping to win both of those but uh, if you had to choose one nick which one would you want to win that's a tough one isn't it because <laughs> i don't really want to lose to adelaide well you could we could win both of them and just you know you could barrack for north for a couple of weeks oh, i i don't think that's within me i don't think that's within me mate and you know it that's asking far too much the other interesting race or uh, is the pcm now because without sisley playing Frost would be looking askance at a PCM in his first year at the club. Will Day didn't have the big influence he has the last couple of weeks. And uh, I don't know. Who else is there in that side? Uh, Warple, Tom Mitchell, maybe Ben McAvoy could be rated rated highly. Well, we heard from one of our listeners, Tom, on this. He, he wants to know if Sam Frost is now a genuine contender for the PCM. Now that Sicily's uh, out of the frame, he submits also Day and Gunston might be in the frame too to to rank highly. I think Sam Frost, what, would you put him... He's definitely top 10. 
at the very least. Uh, yeah, so he's been pretty consistent. That's probably what'll get you over the line this year, isn't it? Consistency of effort? Consistency and, and your ability to play your role well and, and, and dependably, I think. For, there's been no question marks over Frost. I mean, we had Hardwick bolt into second the other year and none of us ever expected that. It could be a dark horse that we haven't spoken of, but I think Frost would be in calculations at least. And Gunston would have to be the best performing forward this year. No question. No question of that. Might have been Wingard for a while there, but nah, Gunston has um, usurped him in that regard. Since we're talking about attack, uh, Bruce, Tanrahan and Impey had five score involvements each. Uh, we mentioned Patton already. I think he looked good, as I said. I think he's just getting warmed up again. He, he looked frustrated, didn't he, with his delivery at times? The the delivery coming to him wasn't exactly ideal, but uh, I thought it was fair enough for him to get frustrated. Well, I mean, I never admired Richo for that, so I'm not going to win. I'll tell you why he's frustrated, mate. He's been sitting on the sidelines. Like us, he's been watching Hawthorne, and now he's playing for Hawthorne. So... <laughs> He's been seeing how it's been failing, and now he has to, has to participate in the forward entry failure. It would be enormously frustrating. I don't mind him having a bit of passion behind it. It was one moment where I felt Timmy O'Brien should have gobbled up a mark that was punched away from Tom Jonas off a forward entry from uh, Jarman Impey. And uh, I felt that when the goal went in down the other end as the direct result of that contest that Timmy O'Brien probably had failed to either make it a 50-50 or take the mark himself. And a lot of people seem to suggest that uh, it was Impey's poor kick that was responsible for that. What was your take? No, that was O'Brien's to snaffle, and he didn't. Yeah, that's what I felt. All he had to do was tap it down and, and take it in front of himself. Yeah. He did prop and then leap, but it just he does that so often that I can't blame Impey for that. It's in the marking range, right? Timmy's not going to get that many guilt-head chances a game. He has to snaffle that. We're talking about a bloke who, what was against... Is it against Frio or was it... It was Carlton, wasn't it, where he dropped that absolute sitter towards the end of the quarter? Yeah. And that would get other blokes, you know, dropped. Yeah, that, that's an axe falling immediately. But he hasn't done... Too much to endear himself, Tim O'Brien, <laughs> this season. Uh, after after a hot end to the, the back half of last season, it just hasn't really come together in 2020 for him. And um, look, 33.3% disposal efficiency and one mark for the game. Um, come on. Is it... Have we, uh, have we seen enough yet? I mean, we heard from Justin. Silk at 37 has more goals than windscreens. When is enough enough? Give Lewis and Patton the last five games together, which I happen to agree with. It was interesting, though, a bit of banter between our listeners. George hit back with windscreens, has kicked more goals than Mitch Lewis has had possessions. It's not that simple. Well, there's nothing to say that the three of those can't play together, as far as I'm concerned. It's just that you can't have two rucks if that happens. Yeah. I think there is the possibility of playing all three. This sort of ties into questions from Ali and Brent here. We heard from Ali, what is the ideal setup for our forward line? And we heard from Brent, what forward line game plan would you like to see? I found um, on my state government mandated hour-long walk the other day, Tiz, I found my mind drifting off to uh, what, what do I want to see with the forward line? What would I do if I was in the coach's box? And... 
I don't think it's going to make for the most entertaining listening, but what I might do is mock something up in uh, Photoshop and just chuck it on our socials and uh, people can see what they think. I have a plan for it and, and people can weigh in. They can say I'm talking rubbish and I think it does involve O'Brien, Patton and Lewis all in the forward line. Is uh, Hanrahan involved, Nick? Because I thought he was quite good on the weekend. I think Hanrahan is involved. Yeah, yeah. I, well, put it this way. I think he did play well, but also, even if he didn't, he's still probably the front runner for that position in our best 22. And uh, also, next year, have you got burgers in that forward line? New. Oh, come on. Wait, come on, he's 37. He's still got it, Chief. <laughs> Soon he won't have it, Tiz. Soon he won't. I know he's still got it. Not debating that. It's incredible. I couldn't believe it. What a goal. <laughs> hey, pressure on. You shouldn't be kicking it from there. Goes straight through like an arrow. Now, you know what I was thinking when that was happening, when he was streaming in? I literally had the thought to myself, the old bird going to kick this. Oh, <laughs> that is awful. No, I thought he was going to pass it off. Oh, mate. I was convinced he was going to pass it off. And I was like... This is the old Burgoyne, by the way. <laughs> the Burgoyne of yesteryear, I mean, would have kicked it. And then he did. And I went, wow, some things never change, eh? He's timeless. I, I can't wait to see the grey in his locks. A bit of the old Hendo to Burgoyne. No announcements from the club of... of Covering his uh, recovery there, really? No, no, that's true. Although he was going to the same hospital as uh, Sicily, wasn't he, to get uh, to get the work done? Yeah, they had surgery slated for the same day, so there's a chance they might have been wheeled out together. <laughs> <laughs> and the boys were, what did they do? They wrote strats on their stomach and and on their back. They had uh, two hundred. That was quite fun. You can tell now that they're back with their families, they seem a bit more relaxed. It's true. You, you want to know how um, in the in the game and in the moment I was, when I saw that social media post, uh, I thought, gee, I wish they'd take game day a little bit more seriously. And then I realised they're all the blokes that are out with injury. I'm like, bloody <laughs> hell, that's some talent on the pine, isn't it? Yeah. And I think as a, as a Hawthorne supporter watching that game, you're just wrapped with the effort, the endeavour... Um, we came and, and came and came again and, and, and Port were throwing everything at us and uh, we didn't get the result we want and we're never happy with losing but that effort is something that will win matches in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's not just the win or loss, it's how you're winning and how you're losing and as I said on social media, I think the North game as well is indicative of that. Yeah, we won but was anyone particularly pleased with how that one played out? I don't think so. And it's kind of the opposite here. We lost, but I think Hawthorne have a lot to be proud about. What I will say is that um, won't always be this way. As, as long as we're trying stuff out, it's probably not always going to gel to the effect of taking it up to the top of the table side. Um, there's going to be ebbs and flows. What I do hope, Tiz, is that the effort remains. And uh, especially given that we've got Essendon this week, Thursday... At 4.40pm, you love that time, at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, they're really taking advantage of uh, isolation, aren't they, with some of these times? <laughs> Mate, I'm not complaining, I just love a home game. So that's about 4 o'clock in the Arvo in Adelaide. That's right, yes. Do you want to win this one, Nick? You want to beat Mozzie? <laughs> it's Essendon, so of course I want to win. But, uh, you know, it's not really in Hawthorne's best interest at this point to keep winning. Danny asks... 
We've seen Glass, Cousins, Howe, Hartley, Nash, etc. Bit rude, leaving Nash there. <laughs> be given games in the last few weeks. Who has seized their opportunity and who hasn't? Well, Nash hasn't, uh, and the rest have, I suppose. Um, who else do you want to see given a game in the next two to three weeks? Um, now, I'm not sure if he's injured, but more I would like to see. I thought he looked good when he first appeared for Hawthorne. More, I think, is fine. I don't think he's on the injury list, as far as I, that was the last I heard. Makes it even worse. Um, why is being overlooked? Obviously, Finn. Where is he? What's he doing? Um, how did he get so buff? All these questions that we <laughs> want to ask. But, I mean, Smith, Gunston are probably available in the next couple of games. So what are you doing? You know, Got to make some decisions there. It's an interesting one. Uh, we heard from Dominic at Hawk Talk Pod. He uh, submitted as his ins for this week, Lewis, O'Meara, Gunston, Smith. And for outs, he had O'Brien, Shields, Ollie, and Glass. Probably uh, a bit stiff. Hanrahan, if if he got omitted after one game, and after a reasonably good game, I thought. Uh, Glass, I would understand. O'Brien, yeah, he he should come out of the side. And Shields, Shields has been battered this season. Yes, he has. He doesn't, uh, he's been pretty unlucky. Got another head. Well, he didn't get a head knock before, I don't think, did he? But uh, that was pretty severe, that that one. I thought he might be concussed for that, but uh, lucky. I think there is a reasonable guess as Dominic, but we'll wait to see. This is the thing. You, you put it so nicely, Tiz. There's so many moving parts. It's hard to know which way we're going to go It's at the selection table. Uh, Dominic also wanted to know, does Finn debut this week or against Adelaide? And Christine added, do you see Finn getting a game? And what about Ross? Oh, my goodness, Ross. I forgot him. Just like the match committee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who am I to argue at this point? You're right. <laughs> Look, if, uh, yeah, play the kids against Adelaide, you know, just see what they've got. Although Adelaide getting a wooden spoon with absolutely zero wins and one of the worst percentages ever does sound good, doesn't it? (laughs) Adelaide has basically put up a for sale sign on top of every one of their players. And um, I'm not sure Hawthorne will do a similar thing, but... uh, you get the feeling that uh, there's a couple of players being shopped in our side. Name names. No, no, I just there's just a few players out there who probably aren't doing enough to hold their positions and uh, are just getting games so other teams can get a look. You might be right. Look, as far as I'm concerned, if we go full shake-up mode in the off-season, I think for the most part, I'd kind of like it. You know, like any supporter, I have my favourites, and I, I trust that some decisions and some names circling the uh, doing the rounds in the rumour mill would be, would be tough. But um, I think it's time. I think it's time for a shake up and some hard calls. Anyway, having said all that, I think Finn debuts this week. What do you reckon? The hype package I made isn't too dated just yet, so I'll probably just recycle that one <laughs> rather than redo it. Um, look, he may do. I, I would think Adelaide's a safer bet. What do you want? Do you want the win, or what do you want us to do here? I know you hate Essendon too. I do. But, you know, they're not winning a premiership, so it's fine. Just a good game. I think uh, I think they've got a very good defence. It could be a battle of defences. Hawthorne's defence versus their defence. Um, our attack is probably better. Also, their contested footy is pretty awful. Um, it should be a fairly close game. They're going through some transition in the coaching box, which... 
amounts to them being really good in transition up until they get to the forward line each week and all kinds of different shenanigans going on there. But they've got some decent players coming through. I was, was pretty happy for Irving Mosquito kicking the first goal the other night and then another ripper off the left. Um, makes me wonder why Hawthorne didn't match the bid as he was a new generation academy player for us. Could you refresh us all what actually happened there? Didn't, we ended up with Cozzy, didn't we? Yeah, so uh, they bid on him with their pick 38, which we could have matched and lost picks 52 and 63, which we eventually used on Jacob Kaczynski, Matthew Walker in that national draft, both of whom we haven't seen. And then the rest of the draft picks haven't actually played a game for Hawthorne yet either. At least not in the AFL season. We have seen Damon Greaves, who was first-round rookie. Will Golds, of course, has an ACL. Tib Moore was injured before he could uh, play for Hawthorne. And the other rookie was uh, Will Langford, who was retained on the list in order to pay out his contract, I think. Is that right? What I will say is it's pretty easy to think that we've got the raw end of the deal here. Uh, when we're playing catch up, you know, Mozzie out of these guys was the first to debut. He only just debuted and he, he kicked a couple of goals. So, of course, it looks like we've done worse out of it. But time will tell. Mm, it has. Oh, just like that. Yeah, no, it has. Oh. Yeah, well, up to now, we're definitely worse off and it would have cost nothing to bash Essen over the head. So, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> and you never like missing those opportunities, do you? I don't know why we gave them the benefit of the doubt. No. All right. Can I just add, um, in terms of uh, guys I want to see in the next few weeks, uh, Morris, I think, has to come back in. I want to see Morris again. Oh, he's done enough. No, he gets another contract, so you don't need to look at him. He's great. Love him. If there was an opportunity, if there was room for him, I'd, I'd give him some more senior experience, is all I'm saying. Fair enough. Shane wants to know uh, if we can build a functioning back line without Sicily over the next 12 months. What's the chance he comes back in as a forward permanently? <sighs> um, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Show a little respect to Shane's question. That's a fair one. No, it's actually a really good point. It could be the making of Sicily. It could be the making of a, of a new backline because... Uh, no, I, I admire the point. I hadn't thought of it myself. But in the absence of Sicily, perhaps Scrimshaw kicks on much better because Sicily was doing everything back there. He was intercepting. He was taking the kick-ins. He was doing everything until Will Day turned up and took a few kick-ins. So um, yeah, there will be there will be some development from the other guys around him. But uh, can we put him forward? Oh, yeah. If he loses the spring, like if he doesn't come back from the ACL, and he can't as well as he was before, which you know is generally unlikely now with medical science as it is, um, we could see him forward. Yeah, I mean he's a very dangerous forward, unpredictable, hard to match up on. Terrific, and uh, and we've spoken about how, you know, have your best, your cleanest players closest to goal, because they're the ones you that, that strike fear. In you know, scored scoreboard pressure is the main thing in footy, from my understanding. If you've got a forward that can damage them, that is worse than you know a bloke picking off everything as they as they kick into attack. It'll all depend on where the urgent need is. I mean, we headed into this year with the uh, the forward line being a project and sadly you know we're coming into round 14 and it's still a project we haven't really worked it out it'll continue to be so deep into 2021 i imagine um and now we're at a point where the back line is is a project as well just stick that on the bill we've got to work out that as well 
when we get to the end of 2021 and Sicily's finally getting back to some fitness and, you know, he's ready to go again, we'll have to weigh it up. Which is in more dire need of James Sicily's services? Um, at the moment, right now, speaking right now, you'd say the forward line. But that can change. You might see a drastic improvement. It might be the Clarko effect. Clarko might whip up a stellar game plan that's executed to a T. When we hit 2021 running, hit the ground running, and, and the forward line is functional, and there's just simply no need to insert anything else down there. We have the tools available already. And so Sicily just goes back, and it's like, bada-bing, bada-boom, sorted. Um, it might play out that way. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, well, the next question is from James. Long-term prediction, considering it's all about the future now. Can you make a call on our record at the end of the 2021 season, i.e. a win-loss record? Well, I'd rather just pick where they're going to sit on the ladder. Yeah, I was going to say that. I want to go for the ladder position. And uh, off you go, Tiz. You go first. Well, it'll be middle six, right? Yeah, middle six. I have us, I have us missing the eight, knocking on the door, but missing. So about fourteenth, something like that. Uh, I was thinking more eleventh or twelfth. Yeah, it's um. See, we're going to get an easier fixture, right? <laughs> oh, so sweet, so naive. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, I don't know. Uh, look, we'll um, we'll do what we usually do. We'll play a brand of footy that's predictable for a lot of it and uh, we'll uh, eventually come in the back end of the season looking to put wins together and uh, get some momentum into the next year but uh, there's going to be so many list changes I forecast at the end of this season that predicting what we're going to do next year is just uh, um, what's the word? A folly? Yeah I'd love to say top four but no No, no way there's too much turnover and required turnover that's going to happen. We've got a final question from uh, Jesse. If we end up with a high-end draft pick, 4-6, to six, as well as North's second-round pick, likely pick 20, what type of players do we draft? We draft halfback flankers almost exclusively. Um, even if they're key forwards, um, they will be turned into halfback flankers. Halfback flankers, 100 years. <laughs> halfback flankers, adventures.com. It'll be a ruckman. How about that? For me, you've got to look at either end of the, of the height and speed spectrum. So Tall midfielder? <laughs> that's why, well, we're keeping Nash, aren't we? I'm, I'm worried for the boy. I'm worried for the boy, honestly. You should be worried, because he's probably not getting back in the side the rest of the season. Yeah, well, there's not a lot keeping him out, Nick. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I, they're just, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anyway, as I was saying, I think we need... Um, I, I wouldn't mind us looking for a ruck, but also we need... Uh, we also need to inject some pace. Uh, small and zippy. Small, zippy, competitive. Well, we've got Connor Downey coming through. Um, he'll be picked up by Hawthorne, hopefully. The other spots, I don't know. I mean... Best player available is usually the phrase. Well, they did well with Will Day, didn't they? They did. And we never saw that coming. Nope. So uh, we'll just leave it to them, I think. <laughs> Look, there's just still so much footy to play out in this season. You just never know. The requirements may change. You might get to the end of the season and go, well, those things that we thought we needed were actually travelling okay. We probably need a tall to medium defender to replace Stratton, who eventually comes off the list. But is he coming off the list? I mean, that's a question that as yet is unanswered. So it's a difficult one. I think Jesse is right to bring up the question, but uh, God, there's just so many 
Again, moving parts, Tiz. Shifting sands. But we can't doubt the effort this week. And uh, if they bring that every week, they are going to build something between them that will be the foundations of the next push. Okay? You want to know what I want out of the rest of this season? Aside from result. All I know is I was entertained and I enjoyed my afternoon watching the footy. That's all I got out of it. I liked it. I liked CJ. I liked seeing Cuz. It's just, just those things. Those things that make me enjoy watching Hawthorne. If we just see more of that and more effort, I reckon I'll be happy for the rest of uh, season 2020. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. I got a lot of... I discovered that I have a vocabulary um, of disses and aggressive stances towards umpires that I had no idea about. So, I mean, we've all grown, haven't we? Yeah, I shocked myself. <laughs> uh, now, to wrap up, we want to thank everyone that's taken the time out of their day to uh, rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. That means a lot to us. You can jump on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. I love our community, and uh, I got to take a back seat to it this week because uh, we had you live tweeting, and you did a marvellous job. I nearly got us over the line, mate. I said three points and a win. Remember last week I said a three-point win was on the cards? Oh, my goodness. Coming into those final two minutes, I was like, this is possible. Oh, I'm going to look like an absolute wunderkind. (laughs) You did well. You almost got us over the line. And then the umpires buggered it up. But uh, anyway. You can't beat the house, mate. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Anyway, it was just good to see them out there, and they were they were smiling in the right way this week, and uh, it's good. Facebook.com slash Pod. Quite a few people have jumped on board of late, uh, which is really great to see. And Patreon, patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. Uh, if you sign up from the $5 tier, uh, you get all our bonus episodes, and uh, I dare say we'll be working on some more of those as we go forward very soon. And uh, the $1 tier, the minimum tier, we'll get you the uh, 2015 prelim special commentary that we recorded. So for less than a cup of coffee, a fraction of a coffee, you can get that. Yeah, it's good to get a uh, a review podcast out because it's been very hectic. Um, but I think the next podcast will be after the Essendon game and before the Tuesday night game against Adelaide. So I just I thought that we needed, you know, Hawks fans, it felt like they needed a debrief on the umpiring alone. You know, there is one umpire that, uh, when you look back through folklore, and I always admire him, the umpire in our 61 premiership, also the father of Peter Schwab. What a terrific man. (laughs) You're going to have to go back a long way to find an umpire I admire. It's a 61. Well, there you go, listeners. That's a good place to leave it, I think. (laughs) You'll hear from us very soon. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.